This is WRAL News, your number one source for local news. Right now on WRAL, the antibody test in North Carolina. In an interview you will only see on WRAL, the lead researcher joins us live in this half hour to discuss the early findings. Good evening and thank you for joining us. I'm Deborah Morgan. And I'm Gerald Owens. Within the last 90 minutes, our Aaron Thomas also received a response from a local city manager. His response to workers who say they don't feel safe. But we begin with Mark Boyle in the Live Center with an update on the case count. Mark. Gerald, within the past hour or two, we've been getting some new information on the number of outbreaks across the area at long-term care facilities. We'll get to those in just a minute. I do want to show you, though, we just clicked over the 600 mark in the number of deaths across the state of North Carolina. This is the COVID-19 count across the state and the United States on our homepage, WRAL.com. We're constantly updating that if you'd like to take a look. Back to the long-term facilities, two residents and one staffer at Lewisburg Manor Assisted Living Center have been affected by the coronavirus that is new this afternoon. Also, a couple of other locations at long term care facilities, Brookdale in Wake Forest and Brookdale's facility here in North Raleigh, both reporting an outbreak, keeping in mind an outbreak is considered two or more cases. Back to you. Mark, thank you. Happening right now, city workers demand better pay and protection on the job. WREL's Aaron Thomas is in Goldsboro with their concerns and the new response from the city manager. Aaron? Yeah, Deborah, it's been a busy day here in Goldsboro as those protests started at the correctional facility and ended up here at City Hall. Now, for months, these city workers say they've been demanding uh, the city manager for more PPP and hazard pay. They demanding, they've been demanding this for months. They actually took some of those concerns inside this building. Now, we actually walked with city workers into City Hall as they waited for Goldsboro City Manager Tim Salmon. He eventually came down and talked with the city worker who works in Greensboro but wanted to stand with city workers here in Goldsboro. He presented the city manager with a letter with safety measures that these city workers want to see. Now, we pushed the city manager for answers about concerns at the prison and what's being done to keep city workers safe. Are you listening to concerns that people have in regards to what's going on at your correctional institution? Sir, you need to leave, okay? You haven't been appointment only, all right? Okay, you're not going to listen to any of these concerns that people have. I've listened to the concerns right here. Now, I do want to point out that earlier today we did try to reach out to him by phone and email. But we finally heard from him, and we actually heard from a spokesperson within the past 30 minutes. The statement reads in part, the city of Goldsboro has taken several steps to ensure that our employees have a safe and healthy working environment, including providing appropriate PPE for employees, limited public access to for our facilities, and offering telework arrangements, as well as installing hand sanitizer. Back to you. Aaron Thomas, live in Goldsboro. Thanks, Aaron. In addition to expanded testing and a vaccine for COVID-19, another major research effort during the pandemic is antibody testing. Just last week, WRL reported on the growing demand for the blood test, which can detect whether someone has already had the virus and recovered. And while the results can give experts an idea of who may have been exposed, there is a lot the results don't tell us, like when a person may have been exposed. Coming up in the next 10 minutes, we'll speak with one of the leading researchers on this study. As more businesses continue to open up and we begin to leave our homes, many people are wearing masks. And you may have noticed wearing a face covering can make it harder to communicate. This is especially true for those with hearing impairments. However, it can affect all of us. WREL's Mandy Mitchell spoke with an expert who has tips to ease your conversation frustration. 
Wearing masks is the neighborly thing to do. It protects others and helps to stop the spread. But let's be honest, these things aren't comfortable. They can be hot, they can be itchy, and here's something else. Functionally, what masks have done is give everyone a mild hearing loss. Dr. Patricia Johnson is an audiologist at UNC's Hearing and Communication Center. She is an expert in helping people communicate. We all do a certain amount of lip reading, especially if there's any amount of background noise, if the lighting isn't good, if there's any kind of distractor, we start to rely on our eyes to supplement what we're hearing. And when we are all wearing masks, that lip reading becomes impossible. Masks also muffle our voices, making it harder to hear. A lot of times our first instinct is to start raising our voice or shouting, but that can actually further distort the quality of the sound. So just slowing down the rate of your speech just slightly, a little bit of extra space between the words, allows you to be a little more mindful of what you're saying and it gives the other person more time to process what you're saying. She says it's also important to look people in the eyes so they know you are talking to them. And if you are saying something super important, like if you're talking to your doctor, it's best to confirm the details in writing. Masks are going to be here for a while, so it kind of behooves everyone to be thinking about strategizing our communication. Communication skills we can all use now and when it's safe to take our masks off. Mandy Mitchell, WRL News. The new things we learn about this reality. The six Republican members sitting on the governor's cabinet want a special meeting to discuss the phased reopening. The letter sent to Governor Cooper comes as religious leaders push to have their services indoors. Republican Lieutenant Governor Dan Forrest, who is running for governor, wants to know why more industries have not been allowed to reopen. We've been asking for meetings for a long time. We've been sort of doing it unofficially at Council of State meetings, saying when are we going to get together? When are we going to uh, be able to hear what their plan is uh, based, you know, based on what information, these kinds of things? I think it's just a, a valuable thing to do. You have duly elected members of the Council of State who represent the same people that the governor represents, and you have a bunch of bright minds on there with what I believe are good ideas. Governor Cooper and the state health officials insist the data is driving the reopening plan. Ahead on WREL, an important deadline for those still waiting on stimulus checks. The action the IRS says you need to take by tomorrow afternoon. Plus, the warning for all of us. I talk live with the U.S. Attorney for Eastern North Carolina about the cases keeping officers busy. You're watching coverage you can count on with WREL News. If you haven't received your stimulus check and you want to deposit it electronically into your account, tomorrow's the last day to inform the IRS. Most checks have been deposited if the IRS already had your information from tax filings. Anyone who qualifies but doesn't update direct deposit information by noon tomorrow will receive a paper check in the mail. Stimulus checks and loan distributions are prime targets for those looking to take advantage of Americans when they are most vulnerable. Joining us tonight to discuss these risks and how you can keep yourself safe is U.S. Attorney for the Eastern District of North Carolina, Robert Higdon, Jr. Bobby, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Deborah. So let's start with a consumer angle here. When we had you on a couple of months ago, your team launched a helpline for people to report their concerns. Since then, what kind of complaints have you received and which groups are most at risk? Well, that, that helpline that we're still using is one that receives calls from all across the country and then they are forwarded to each federal district. And we've been receiving lots of calls related to the potential frauds and scams in our district. And I can kind of group them for you 
We've got uh, frauds and scams that deal with fake cures and treatments for the coronavirus, uh, price gouging and hoarding. We've got just typical fraud schemes that people are trying to perpetrate because there's $3 trillion of funds that are out there now because of the stimulus. We've got uh, frauds related to those checks that you were just talking about, people trying to steal the checks as they come in the mail, people trying to convince you to turn the check over to them if, if they advance you funds or if they do something for you. Uh, they're trying to get the checks away from you uh, or the deposits away from you by uh, seeking your personal information. We've got uh, cases of healthcare fraud. Uh, we're monitoring people's civil rights. And, and one of the main things the Justice Department is focusing on right now is individuals who are unable to pay their rent and landlords are taking advantage of them. And particularly, uh, lots of women are being taken advantage of in a sexual way uh, in return for forgiveness of their rent. So the department is focusing very heavily on that type of activity. Oh, my goodness. Well, what should you do first if you think you may have been targeted? Well, the thing you need to do is to call that hotline. And we've, we've given that number out before, but if you don't mind, I'd like to give it again. And that's 866 720 5721. And that is the national hotline where you can uh, register those complaints. And that information is immediately uh, given to the federal district in which you live, in our case, the Eastern District. And we set about looking into that right away. We know those scammers are out there all year long. Are they especially out there now? Are you seeing an uptick? Uh, we're certainly seeing an up uptick. Uh, they, are, they are always out there. But when there's this kind of money in the system and people that are vulnerable and concerned and afraid, they, became, they become prey for people that would uh, perpetrate a fraud against them. So, yeah, we're seeing an uptick in. Shifting gears to talk about prisons now. Just today we saw people protesting for prisoners to be released outside of the news correctional in Goldsboro. There are also concerns for safety of those working in prisons with a growing number of positive cases there. Just last week, your office announced two inmates in Butner would be charged following an incident there last month. I know you don't run the prisons, but can you talk more about this case and the message you hope it sends? Well, there was a, a mini riot, if you will. There were prisoners that uh, tried to take over a particular cell block. Uh, fortunately, no one was seriously hurt, but enforcing order in the prisons is one of the things that we do all the time. And when we're in a more vulnerable state like we are now, there are people that try to take advantage of that. When our office learned of that very shortly after it happened, we immediately uh, worked with investigators to work up a case and we had the matter indicted in a matter of a few days. And we're trying to send the message to anyone in prisons is we're not gonna tolerate this type of behavior no matter what the conditions are. This week, we are honoring our frontline workers, which comes on the heels of Nurse Appreciation Week. We've also honored our teachers recently. This week is also a big one for law enforcement. Tell us more about that. Well, this is National Police Week, and usually we, we uh, honor this. We honor our fallen officers by vigils and, and other public events. We're not able to do that this year. Tomorrow night, they'll have the National Vigil that you can watch online by going to the National Police Week website. But we're also trying to, to uh, recognize uh, particularly our fallen officers all across the Eastern District. And as you may recall, we had an officer killed in the line of duty. He was a state trooper, Nolan Sanders, in Wayne County back in March of this year. And he's just an example of the sacrifice that law enforcement makes for us every day. And they're particularly doing that during the coronavirus epidemic or pandemic. Uh, they're out there working just as hard as they always do, but they're facing increased risk. And so I think it's important that we stop and take a moment to recognize the important work they do on behalf of all of us, particularly at this time. No doubt so important to recognize the work that they're doing and that you're doing. U.S. Attorney for the Eastern District of North Carolina, Bobby Higdon, thank you so much for your time, Bobby. Thank you, Deborah.
Researchers at Wake Forest Baptist Health are leading the state's first antibody study and reported their first results last week. Joining us to talk more about it is one of the leading researchers, Dr. John Sanders, the chief of infectious diseases at Wake Forest Baptist. Dr. Sanders, thank you for being with us. Well, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. As we mentioned earlier, antibody tests will tell you that a person has been infected and recovered. Tell us why this information is so important. Well, there's a, there's a lot we don't know about this epidemic yet, including how many of us get infected with few or no symptoms, the asymptomatic uh, infections. And so because we don't know that yet, we don't have a very clear picture as to how many of us have already been infected, and it makes it much harder for us to track the infection going forward. Tell us about the work your team is doing. What have you found so far? This is actually a multi-layered study. Uh, it's, uh, it starts with syndromic surveillance. So volunteers agree to report every day whether they've been sick, had a fever or a cough, uh, and whether they've been in contact with a COVID patient. We take that data and we map it out based on where they live. And then we combine that with electronic health record data that pulls uh, tests that have been drawn clinically at uh, Wake Forest Baptist Health. So COVID tests and other tests to help us explain those symptoms. And then we combine that with the antibody tests that we're sending out. So right now we've had over 12,000 people volunteer. Uh, we have over 70,000 days of symptom reporting and about 2,000 tests that are out and about 1,000 that are back. Wow, that sounds massive. Now you're still in the early results gathering process. From what you've seen so far, are there any early trends, surprises, or concerns you found? Uh, a, a little bit of a surprise. Uh, here in the triad area, here in the Winston-Salem area, our seroprevalence, uh, based on about 1,000 tests so far, is only about 2%. Uh, so we can say with some confidence that only about 2% of people in Forsyth County and Guilford County and this surrounding area have so far been infected with COVID. The, the surprise to that is it's not higher, uh, and that obviously means we've got a long way to go. The Food and Drug Administration recently ordered increased oversight of other tests now on the market. If someone watching this broadcast tonight was sick earlier in the year and thinks they may have had coronavirus, what would you recommend to them if they want to get an antibody test? Well, there are antibody tests available uh, through lots of very good, reputable uh, laboratories. We are partnered with LabCorp in doing test validation and running, running some of our tests. Uh, and those tests are available to people. But in general, I don't recommend people go out and get antibody tests outside of large epidemiologic studies because we're not sure what to, what to make of that information. We don't know what the value of that testing is yet. So if someone has this test, it comes, back, it comes back positive, what should they know? Can they get sick again? Can they still expose a loved one? We, we don't know. Uh, that, is, that is a big reason that we're doing this study. Uh, we, we make the presumption that if somebody has been infected and has developed antibodies, that they probably have at least short-term protection and that they probably can't spread the infection to others. But that's one of the reasons that we need to do large studies like we are doing to prove that that is true. So what are the next steps for your team, Dr. Sanders? Do you plan to expand your study pool into other parts of North Carolina? Absolutely. Uh, our partners at Atrium Health have already started to enroll. They're in beta testing now, having enrolled several hundred and soon several thousands of, of, of volunteers. Uh, our partners at WakeMed are processing the paperwork 
uh, and soon we'll be uh, we'll be able to start to offer this study up to uh, to volunteers in the Raleigh area, and then our partners at Vidant and New Hanover are also uh, rapidly moving forward to uh, to make sure that we've got good extensive coverage across the state. It sounds like a vast study and you've got a lot of partners and that's always encouraging and we wish you the best of luck. We all want to see the end of this as soon as possible. Yes, we do too. Thank you very much. All right, Chief of Infectious Diseases at Wake Forest Baptist Health, Dr. John Sanders, thank you. There is a noticeable change of pace at Durham's Duke Regional Hospital. ER nurse Ashley Wheeler has more in today's video blog update, which you will only see here on WRAL. Making a quick video in the clean hold because it's been kind of busy today. We've had what seems to be like round two of our COVID patient situations. Uh, lots of known positive patients coming in to get treated um, and or admitted into the hospital for continued care. So not quite as many fresh diagnoses that we're making. It's more just managing people who we already know to be positive or their family member was positive and now they're also symptomatic. So it seems like this is just gonna continue. And I really hope I'm wrong, but I feel like the next couple of weeks are going to be a continuing increase. The ER, the regular ER visit kind of patients have continued to go up every, every week or so. So the volume's getting more like normal. And then the COVID patients aren't really decreasing. Um, so we're just kind of settling in. The community has been taking really good care of us and looking out for us with, you know, donating food and donating items that can help us to um, deal with the challenges that we're having. So that's been really wonderful to see that outpouring. and. Um, hopefully we can continue to take care of each other as we continue to open up in our community. So um, that's kind of what's going on here. Hopefully the week will stay pretty okay. We hope so too. Very, still very busy at Duke Regional Hospital. Now this week, WRL is proud to partner with the Bandit Flight Team and the North Carolina Healthcare Association for a flyover honoring our frontline workers. The six-plane team will fly over Wake Med Raleigh, Duke Raleigh, UNC Rex, Wake Med Cary, Duke University Hospital, UNC Medical Center, and Duke Regional this Thursday night starting at 7 o'clock. WRL will bring you these special moments from our crews on the ground and in the air with Sky 5. Our live coverage starts at 7 o'clock on Thursday night. A Durham church community is receiving a lot of attention, not just from delivering Sunday services, but for its food ministry that is car lines wrapped around the corner. Volunteers with the Iglesia Presbyterian Emanuel Church went from serving 60 families a week to more than 350 after the pandemic increased the need. Other congregations, businesses, the farmer's market and local food pantries are donating their food, money and time to meet demand. People should not have to work this hard to get food. They should be able to have the resources they need, but people are very appreciative that at least they can have this to get through the hard time. Church officials are asking for donations to continue these efforts. Food is distributed every Wednesday beginning at 2 p.m. For ways you can help, visit WRL.com and search Here to Help. And that does it for our news at 7. We'll have an update to that breaking news in Wake County tonight at 10 on Fox 50 and at 11 on WRAL. Have a great night.